welcome to Firm Foundation. In these times of shifting standards and faulty foundations, there is a solid place on which to build a victorious life. And that place is the Firm Foundation of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Your host for Firm Foundation is Brian Hudson, a Bible teacher, pastor, author, and producer of Life Enriching Media. I want to go to the opening slide. And you see there it says, vision for 2024, love and serve. Those are the two words that kept coming up in my prayer time and meditation time, love and serve. Now, last year at this time, we shared this statement as a vision statement from the scripture, Psalm 65, verse 11, if you can read with me. You crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. That's a great text, isn't it? And the good news is that God's promises do not expire. That promise didn't expire (laughs) when the new year came because God's not confined to a calendar year. You know that. So then in addition to sharing what I'm sharing today, that promise from last year is still in effect. And please note the text says that the year is crowned with God's goodness And it says your paths, that's a capital Y. God's paths drip with abundance. You got that? He didn't say your path, my paths. So it's quite simple. If you're in God's path, you get the abundance that drips because you're with God. Now you step out of God's path, the abundance dries up. All this happens because we're in relationship with the Lord. Now, I want to also share today's scripture and the basis for the vision I'm going to share today is Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Let's read together, please. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Through love serve one another. We're going to talk about motivations today. And motivations answer the question, why do we do the things that we do? We all have motivations, not just one, oftentimes many. But here, Paul wrote and said, now, we have liberty, freedom, access, go where you want to go, do what you want to do, but do not use liberty as an opportunity to flesh. I think about, you know, (laughs) young folk going off to college, and kids in college experience a whole new level of liberty. And they find, out, they find out pretty quick if, if they have the right foundation or not. Because all that complaining about mom did, mom said this, dad said that, always trying to tell me what to do, not to do, trying to help me and, and in my business and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and now they're off of school thinking, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. I'm, yeah, okay, yeah, you have liberty. But don't, use, but don't use it as an occasion to the flesh. With dad last night, we're talking about, laughing about some things last night, and, and I was reminded of a, a, a friend, or not a friend, he was a, a fellow, a frat brother, I'll say. Um, and, uh, well, be, I'll say this. First of all, all of us frat brothers weren't the way this brother was, okay? I just want to specify, all of us Kappas were not this brother type. He, we, mo- most of us had our mind, no, no, no. Some of us had our minds. <laughs> in the right place okay but the story was this this brother came to school and 
I saw him every day in my dorm. I saw every day at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I saw him in his room a lot. And I always saw him at every party. But I never saw him in any classes. Now, we didn't share classes, but I always saw him in the dorm. Then I found out this brother was not enrolled in classes. I mean, maybe he signed up for classes, but didn't go. He liked the idea of being in the dorm, the dorm life, three meals a day, go party, go play ball. But the brother was not taking classes. Now, you know, you may have some liberty, but you can't use it like that. You can't sit up there and take somebody's money and come to school, probably on somebody's dime, and act like you're here for a good time only. You have tremendous freedom in Christ. But that's an opportunity really not to use it for yourself, not to be selfish. That's why then he said, but through love, serve one another. Love will cut out selfish motivations. Serving through love will short circuit selfishness. So keep that as a thought. We're going through this message today. That's a theme we'll see throughout this message. Love and serve. Nothing is more foundational to our walk as Christ followers than God's love for us and our love for others. In fact, say it with me. Nothing is more foundational, more foundational to our walk as Christ followers than God's love for us and our love for others. I can't think of anything more foundational than that. Can you? I can't. God loves me. I love others. And I'm not talking about emotional love. We'll define love here too. I think you understand that love isn't just a feeling. And so there are a lot of motivations in life. And my question is, what motivates you? I did some research on this and psychology today identified motivations. On this left column are what they, the sum, of their motivations identified that people are motivated by external rewards, which means, you know, it's something that we're doing to get something. Oftentimes, it's a short-term reward. And the thought here is nothing wrong with that except when we focus on short-term results at the expense of long-term results. So it's okay to be motivated by wanting to reward it, reward it some way, just Make sure it fits into a larger plan. Next one here is hitting rock bottom. I thought first, that doesn't make sense. I thought that makes sense because sometimes some of us, at a, some of us at some points in our life had to hit rock bottom to be motivated to change. We don't wish that upon anyone, but the fact is some must hit rock bottom before they want to change. Well, for example, in alcoholics, that's a common, a common uh, theme where the idea is until they can acknowledge I am alcoholic, you know, and I need help, there won't be a motivation to change. So that's a motivation. Self-image just speaks to the idea that people uh, want to be perceived favorably by themselves. They want to see themselves a certain way. Now, that's not wrong until it becomes conceited. But again, motivation, I want to see myself a certain way. Then self-validation 
is a similar feeling, but in the eyes of other others. I want I want others to validate me. So I'm doing things to get somebody to to speak well of me, to validate me. And that is a motivation. Curiosity is a motivation and a good one where we just want to learn what makes things tick, how this works and what's the meaning behind this or that. In fact, I read here that uh, Aristotle said that all men are all men, all men by nature desire to know. Pretty, you know, obvious statement. And but curiosity is a good thing as a motivation. Well, here's a bad one. Control. Some people are motivated just to feel like they're in control. And so their words, their actions tend towards, you know, trying to get control of maintain control of something or somebody. We've all seen that before, you know, and I really if, when you see that we call it a control spirit sometime. Just, you know, just either shut it down or get away from it. Don't man, don't negotiate with a control freak. Don't 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 even feed it. Don't feed. You know, <laughs> there's a phrase in um, in social media called don't feed trolls. Now, a troll is somebody who come on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. And they come on there just to say something crazy or very demeaning to get a response from you. And it's hard not to respond if you are in your feelings, you know, but really, but the real key is don't feed them. Don't feed a troll. So don't feed a control person. Don't don't go along with a control environment. You know, um, if you if you can just just bust it up, you know, or leave it alone. But don't go along with it. Don't submit to it because that that fuels a wrong motivation. OK. And then here's an interesting one. Again, this, these are from psychology today. Current mood. So <laughs> now when people feel threatened, this is a, a more valid part of it. When they feel threatened, then they're much more responsive to negative information. So when people, for example, are desperate, they may do things from that mood of desperation that isn't aren't good for them. You understand that. But of course, on the bad side, is that you know moods um, people get into moods and that mood becomes motivation to talk or not talk uh, that mood become motivation you know to be cooperative or uncooperative and that's a pretty that's a pretty bad place to be you know we don't want to be moody like that you know and I thought about <laughs> laughing over there to myself thinking about Pastor Bumpus when we, we go to prison ministry with him one of the things he, he says in training is you know when you on the yard the yard is the prison environment and you, you know, you see guys, you just don't walk up on a guy. Just walk up to, hey, how you doing? You don't just do that. You gotta look at him first. What mood, what mood are they in? What spirit, you know what I'm saying? Or a spirit you can say at the end. And you have to kind of discern, do we talk now or later? Or never? <laughs> and sometimes people in our own circle, you know, you gotta just, what mood? Are you in today, right? Because some people, you know, you, you no, know, I, I can't talk to you now. Maybe five o'clock, maybe tomorrow morning. You know, let's not be that person. That we're, we're, you know, our, our moods motivate us. We should not be motivated by moods. Just be the same person. You may feel different. We all feel different. Different times of day, different, different uh, seasons. But let's try to, you know, at least, try to project that we're open to be spoken to and, and get some help. Amen. 
and not make people feel like you're going to shut me down if I, if I ask a question. So those motivations, these are, it's a long list. Now. I just got a few of them. Other side, a list from University of Nebraska. You can, you can Google and find all kinds of motivation terms. Now, here are some on the right side. Uh, achievement. Uh, yeah, the achievement, which is getting things done. All right, that's, that's okay. Power. Again, this can be good or bad. Having influence over others. Influence is a good thing if we use it in appropriate ways. People motivated for, to have power, not just to control people, but to help people. And then belonging is a motivation. Uh, we all want to belong, but sometimes that motivation can get a little skewed where we think that, you know, we have to belong to have significance. No, you don't have to belong to a certain group, etc. So then these are just some thoughts. I want you to think about this. What motivates you? Among this list, which of these motivate you? And with others that are unmentioned, because we want to look at our motives. Because loving and serving God require us to examine what are, what are my motives? What's going to help me or hinder me serve God's purpose in life? Well, here's a good question. What motivates God? Let's start there. Say that. What motivates God? Say that. What motivates God? Yeah. Well, here we go. John 3.16. You got it? Read with me. Come on. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. NIV version says one and only son, right? King James says only begotten. But the point is, God's motivation was love. And he showed it, demonstrated love by sending his own son, whom we know became our savior, suffered, died for us. And so God didn't want anything from us. He only gave to us. And so motivation, now looking at God's example, then we see now why, why love is the best motivator. That love motivates us. In fact, uh, Paul said, the love of Christ constrains me. That is control motivates me. And that is a basis I like for us to keep in our thoughts here today. So, to, so again, this year, our vision for 2024 is, wait for it, loving God, <laughs> loving people, serving the world. <laughs> Heard that before? <laughs> and that is the, the mission of our ministry, you know. But it just occurred to me that when I heard the words from God, love and serve, I heard that before somewhere. That sounds familiar. It's right there in the mission statement. And again, hearing the ministers speak on New Year's Eve reminded me that, you know, yeah, let's roll with this. This really, we've been saying this for since, I don't know, since 1993, I think. And so, and, and doing it, by the way, too, and doing it. But I want to talk to you about how we can really make it, make it more meaningful and, and, and give it more practical application. All right, so say loving God, loving, loving God, people, loving serving, the world. serving the world. And that is, I believe, a high motivation. It's a high motivation. Not that other things are wrong. I mean, we want to earn a living, earn money, and there's so much in life that we, we want, and it's okay to have. Just that Keep the, keep the priorities straight. Don't get things twisted. Now, three ingredients 
to the God kind of love. We know that in the Bible, there's agape love, you know, the highest, highest form of love. By the way, and agape isn't, we say agape is a God kind of love. It is that, but agape was not invented by Christians, okay? It's been in the Greek for a long time. It always meant those self-sacrificing, one nothing in return. That's what agape means, whether it's from God or people. And of course, we know there's phileo, which is friendship. Eros is erotic love, sexual love and all that. But this, this highest kind of love, first of all, is universal and not selective. It is sacrificial and not selfish. It gives and doesn't take. That's that agape love, the highest type of love. And then there is the world's kind of love, which is narrow and highly selective, which is stingy and selfish. It takes and gives mainly for selfish gain. One of the things you see when you deal with systems in the world is when even systems where people talk about wanting to help you, you'll find out sometime that they say that, but really, ultimately, it's for themselves. Even when I want to help the at-risk youth, all right, why? Well, sometimes, you know, it is just to help the kids out, but sometimes you need kids to be needed to get money. I mean, I need kids to stay in trouble. Because, you know, if I, I got to keep showing the stats and how many black kids are messed up and, and I make my presentation, get my grants and all that. I'm not saying you, you shouldn't present the facts. It's just that my objective is to work myself out of a job. My objective is to help kids succeed in life. In fact, I learned this from a brother in L.A. who, who, do, who doesn't use the word, the term at risk. His term is at promise. That's what I say now. I don't say at risk anymore. I say these young folk are at promise. They're at prom promise of, of succeeding and, and prospering in life. So then I'm not saying we should not, you know, see things as they are and state the facts. Of course not. But, but the love of the world sometimes it only gives for selfish gain. But true love gives with no need to gain. No expectation of getting anything back whatsoever. You just do it because it's right. Amen, somebody? Amen. Now, love can go in the wrong direction. See, even the word love doesn't always mean something good. Because it says here in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from, their, from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I believe God prospers his people. We've experienced it. But yet we don't lose focus. We don't love money. We love people. We love God. But then when when the love of money gets into the picture, it becomes a root, a motivation. Roots motivation, y'all. It becomes a, a root or motivation for all kinds of evil. Now one version says, King James says, all kinds. Well, I mean, all evil. No, the idea is all kinds of, all sorts of, right? So money by itself is neither good nor bad. How we use it, how we motivate it to get it, that's what defines us. 
But this is an example of how love can go in the wrong directions. We can love things that don't deserve loving, you know. Uh, that's why I don't attach the word love to things. Like I told you before, I was doing something on my iPad and Starbucks and, and I was doing, I had, a, had, I, had my star, I had my iPad and my computer on the same table. It must've looked impressive, you know. Don't you just love that? Someone said, don't you just love it? I said, no, I don't love it. Oh, come on, you love it. <laughs> I don't, I like it. It's useful to me, you know? So then I put, I put one thing away. I had too much on the table, you know what I'm saying? People just, you know, I just, I, you can't show folk too much. That's a tip, y'all. Don't show people a whole lot. They think you just are wrapped up in it and caught up in it and, and, and you know, and, and would die for it. You know what I'm saying? Just lay it down flat. <laughs> Don't let them see it. But the love of money is a root. And so he says here that, that because of which, you've seen this, that some, he says here, have strayed from the faith. It's interesting that the very thing that you pray God to receive, you can receive it, but if you lose your focus on Christ, that thing that was a blessing then becomes a burden and a bondage. Yes, a blessing from God can become a burden and a bondage because we twisted the folk, we lost focus when you got the thing. Man, somebody? And it's good, you know, I remember we had the, the brothers here last week, uh, had one day, I, I had to cancel some days because helping dad out, but I had brothers from Jesus' house come over. Two guys come over on, uh, what day was that, Pat? Thursday? I forget. Been a busy week, y'all, but. Friday. Friday. Yeah, Friday. Friday, yeah. And two guys, two guys cleared three rooms, almost filled a dumpster up with stuff. All right. And those guys worked and worked and worked, and so, and I agreed to pay them a certain amount. I just thought, I mean, it, it, out in the rain, you know, going back and forth and just, just working and sweating and wet with rain. I thought, you know, I'm going to break these brothers off a whole lot more, you know, than I promised them. So I said, so went to the bank. I picked them up, Jesus' house. They worked. I took them, took, went by the bank, got some cash, put cash in their hands. Both here, here's your cash, here's your cash. You know, they go, ooh, thank you, you know. <laughs> now I said, now, I said now, now don't get triggered by this. <laughs> I know that, you know, yeah. been on your background, you know what I'm saying? You, you get a little cash, right. and that led to trying to cop, you know what I'm saying? I, but the good news is that these guys were delivered. They're, they're in the house, yeah. in the program, being discipled. But, but I know that some guys, you hand some money over to them, cash money, I mean crisp 20s, you know what I'm saying? It can trigger. Right. But that not a problem for them. I'm just saying that it's interesting that, that money can lead to these behaviors if our motivation is not clear. All right. Now, next level of this message, let me get in this part and wrap up here. So our vision and of to love and serve happens to come on this weekend of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s holiday. I didn't really plan it that way. Uh, I just knew the words love and serve were there and I was gonna present this on the 14th, which is today. Okay, tomorrow's the 15th is his holiday. I thought, okay, there's a connection here. There's a connection, a prophetic connection, an obvious connection between love and serve and the work of Dr. King and the movement. I always, I always like to connect Dr. King to a lot of people. You know, he, was the, he was the figure we all could see. There are many hidden figures 
in the movement. We never heard the name before of which represented. So then I realized it was appropriate to, to look at his work in light of this mission as being a minister, uh, a man of God, and a community servant. So let me share this with you. This next slide here is a photograph from, from 1955. And before Dr. King was a civil rights leader and a champion, he was a simple pastor. Just he's pastor of the church. 26 years old, began pastoring at, I think, 24 years old. But this is a, a youthful picture. In fact, this was the year he found out about the Montgomery bus boycott. He didn't start that. It wasn't his idea. But he learned of it and became involved with it. And that was with, uh, of course, um, Rosa Parks, uh, you know, not giving her seat up. All that was not contrived. She just didn't want to do it. And that got her in trouble. That led to attention being drawn to that whole problem of discrimination and racism and all that. And that, so that's when, through love, he decided to be involved. It wasn't, there was nothing to gain. He had nothing to gain. In fact, the day he got involved with the movement, the day the threat started, you know, and the, and the hate began, the day that he, he engaged in this work in the community service, loving and serving. So I want you to understand that it's important that you, that we have the right motivations for things. Because if you don't, you won't last long in doing some work. You know, I mean, I tell you, if you want to go out and I want to serve the poor. Well, okay, let's go help some poor people. And they start tripping on you. You know, cussing you out and, and don't follow through. And you go there and they're not there. I, I'll see you tomorrow at 2 o'clock. You know, where are they at? So you find out that people who are dealing with problems, they got problems. And so if you're doing it trying to feel good, you'll feel good for a minute. Then you won't feel good when the response is bad. So then you have to have the motivation of love. And that says, I'm not doing this for a reward. And whether you respond or not is not the point. You should respond. I hope you do. And many will. But love and service has to be what's called intrinsic, meaning that it's something on the inside of you. Yes. It doesn't need validation Amen. from without because it's in you. I think like, like Jeremiah said, was, you know, when, when he was under all kind of pressure, God, he was a prophet of God and he began to prophesy and do what God said and get in all kind of trouble. You know, people trying to accuse him and kings trying to get rid of him. And, and he just said, you know what, I'm just tired. I just, this, this is it. I'm not going to speak no more in your name. But, oh God, his, fire, his word was like fire in my bones. And I couldn't hold my peace. It wasn't like God was forcing him. If you read it right, it's just saying this was his motivation. Even though he felt like, I don't want to do it anymore. Everybody, listen, everybody who serves God and serves purposes, even on your job, the job you love, you want to quit sometime. You quit at 12 noon, you're back at 1 o'clock. <laughs> you quit in the morning, you're back in the afternoon. You know what I'm saying? You quit at night, in the morning, you're back at work again. Not just because of the money. You enjoy the work, you know. And, and, uh, and so with ministry, more so. And with community service, even more so. That love and service, it, 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 you can't put that in somebody. 
That's why we say when we recognize and ordain preachers, we don't make nobody a minister. We just recognize what God's already doing. If I have to make you, I got to keep you. And I can't, I can't do that. That's, that's, that's too much work. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, 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 no. So what's, what's on the inside of you? You know, we, I told you, you know, I do photography and astrophotography. I post, I'm, I'm into these different clubs, and it's my hobby. It's re very relaxing for me. And I post my pictures, and people say things, and or I post my equipment, you know, all that. And, and guess this. One guy said, all right, explain to me how all of that works. I said, well, you can Google everything they're listed. Google it. And put it in YouTube, and he said, and then somebody said, well, why don't you just tell it? I'm like, oh, man, I just had to just delete that and move on, you know what I'm saying? Because it, it, I learned a long time ago, a friend of mine said this. I had a friend in Dayton, Ohio, and he was into some things I wanted to do. I said, man, tell me how you do that. He said, hey, man, plow your own field. <laughs> plow your own field. Which meant get into it. You know, people today don't want to work. They want to inherit it. A lot of folk don't want to work for it. They just want to inherit it. It's not the way it works. Say it's not the way it works. You don't get to inherit this. You get to, you can work for it. You can, you can show that it's in you. You may inherit some things, but only after you've shown you really have it on the inside of you. You give somebody something who doesn't really want it and want to work for it, they're going to, they're going to ruin it. Amen, somebody? So Dr. King, that movement, had it on the inside of them to do this work of love and service. All right. I want to play a video for you, brief video. And this is a, a video clip of, of uh, an, uh, a slideshow with his, uh, a voiceover by Dr. King talking about his motivation, his motivation as a drum major of, or drum major for justice. Watch this, listen to this, it's good. Leave lights on. I'd like somebody to mention that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to give his life serving others. I'd like for somebody to say that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to love somebody. I want you to say that day that I tried to be right on the wall question. I want you to be able to say that day that I did try to feed the hungry. I want you to be able to say that day that I did try in my life to call those who were naked. I want you to say on that day that I did try in my life to visit those who were in prison. I want you to say that I tried to love and serve humanity. Yes, if you want to say that I was a drum major. Say that I was a drum major for justice. Say that I was a drum major for peace. I was a drum major for righteousness. And all of the other shallow things will not matter. I won't have any money to leave behind. I won't have the fine and luxurious things of life to leave behind. But I just want to leave a committed life behind. And that's all I want to say. If I can help somebody... As I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a well song, if I can show somebody he's traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. If I can do my duty as a Christian, or if I can bring salvation 
to a world once wrought, if I can spread the message as the Master taught, then my living will not be in vain. Yes, Jesus, I want to be on your right or your left side, not for any selfish reason. I want to be on your right or your left side, not in terms of some political kingdom or ambition, but I just want to be there in love and in justice and in truth and in commitment to others so that we can make of this old world a new world. I'd like somebody to mention that. Love and service, you know, motivation. And we know that in terms of his intellectual abilities and his skill sets, he could have been anything. He could have been corporate president and CEO and multimillionaire, billionaire in, in, our, in our terms of money today. But I like to share that because it kind of reminds us of what a public servant should be about. Even politics, politicians are supposed to be public servants. Amen. You're supposed to do what's right by the people. Amen. It's not for you, it's for them. It's to serve the purposes, you know, of community. You know? So that's why we have to get back to this understanding and evaluating what's going on based on what's the level of love, what's the level of service. Is love and service, is it, is it operating in there? And if it's not, you're talking about just somebody getting over you know, trying to get rich off of whatever. So then that was something he said. Let me uh, share a few quotes before I wrap up here. Now, let me say this. I'm going to share tomorrow. I'll come back to show a slide later about that. But I'm sharing tomorrow uh, another replay of my presentation on his letter from Birmingham jail. I did it a couple of years ago. I'm going to do it again tomorrow. Um, and I've, I've read the letter and gone through it thoroughly. I've read his writings, many of his writings. And we need to read Dr. King. Don't just quote him. Amen. Don't just don't settle for a quote. And please don't roll out that I have a dream every I mean, I like to listen to it. He said way more than that. Even that speech he gave it many times. <laughs> this one time in Washington that day. So but to honor the man, read what he wrote. And, and so here's some quotes I'll give you, but again, dig deeper. Uh, he said, this is, these are famous quotes. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Amen. I mean, powerful quote. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? Again, quotes we've heard before, but are relevant to share in this message today. And here's, a, here's something from a book he wrote entitled, Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or Communities. This is less, uh, a less uh, famous quote, but it says, power at its best is love. Implementing the demands of justice. Justice at its best is love correcting everything that stands against love. It's powerful, isn't it? And here's an excerpt from letter from Birmingham jail. And um, it's in my book. You know, I wrote a book and whole chapter seven is devoted to ex uh, exploring his letter in the book I wrote about biblical justice. In deep disappointment, he wrote, I have wept over the laxity of the church. But be assured that my tears have been tears of love. 
There can be no deep, deep disappointment where there is not deep love. Yes, I love the church. How could I do otherwise? I'm a rather, in a rather unique position of being the son, the grandson and great grandson of preachers. Yes, I see the church as the body of Christ, but oh, how we have blemished and scarred that body through social neglect and through fear of being nonconformists. And what's remarkable is he understood the concept of church and kingdom. The church is the body of God's people assembled, whether physically or spiritually, but God's kingdom rules over all. And so the influence of God should be in every place, not in the sense that Christian nationalists have it where they want to just, you know, take over and run it and, you know, and stamp their brain on it. But 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 true believers want to bring the influence of God's love and justice and equalize it so people won't be hurt. And so getting people saved isn't always the objective now. I mean, schools don't exist to get kids saved. They exist to educate. And so we want to make sure that the system is, 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 is such where that education is taking place and that there's no uh, discrimination hindering it or things that go against the principles of justice. So then it's, it's a concept that not many understand. He understood it. We understand it here in this church because we're not confined to a church worship service, although we don't confuse a worship service with community service. They're different functions of the same God. You understand that? And I remember, uh, you know, we <laughs> people struggle sometimes with this who don't understand how God is, has used people like Dr. King and different ones. But, yeah, we don't have to we don't have to preach all the time. I get into it right now. All right. Here are the, our three vision mission statements. All right. Loving God. And again, I'm giving some some items for this year to think about. I offer specifics a little later, but I'm giving this, these statements now, broad statements. So loving God, devotion to God. Through prayer, worship, study, solitude, and reflection. Now, this part is between you and God all the time. Loving God is how you walk with him. And that goes to your prayer life, your, how you worship God. Not, not the corporate much as much. The corporate's there, but, but do you worship God when you're not in worship service? Do you pray when you're not in church? And then study. Time in the word, reading scripture. Solitude is quiet time, where it's just you and God. Amen? No TV, no background music, no mood music, just you in empty space. It seems empty space. God's in there. You don't, have, you don't need props to really worship God or to be with God that way. And the reflection is just what it says. Reflecting upon what you've learned, what you've heard, what God is saying in the present time. However you express that. So loving God, walking with him. And then the next phrase in our mission statement is that we're loving people. And this goes to sharing the gospel of Christ. It goes to making disciples, goes to seeing people. I think Mr. Sean talked about that. Seeing people as they are and where they are. Modeling the life and the love of Christ. Providing insight and resources to enrich spirit, soul, and body. And that is, of course, there's more we can add to that. But loving people is where we connect the people, which we don't do that during church service. That's not where we, this gets done. You know, we do that when we 
are in our daily lives. Workspaces or, you know, outreach spaces, wherever we are. Uh, of course, expressed through our church often, but not just during a church service. You got that. And then finally, serving the world. And this is serving the community without preaching. Letting our love and example preach. You know, it's possible to preach without using words. Were you aware of that? You can preach without using words. It's called our example. In fact, there are scriptures that talk about helping people. And there's no indication that the motivation was to get them saved. It's just the fact that they need help. That's the only reason is that they need help and you're helping them through the love of Christ. Amen. And so that, you know, again, loving people addresses preaching to them. But serving the world is a whole different level of context. So Dr. King showed us how to serve the world. He was a preacher. He preached as a pastor in church all the time, every Sunday. But you understand that when you go into the community, you, you operate a different way. You don't stop sharing God's love ever. But sometimes, depending on the context, you have to go in the way that works, the way that's most appropriate, and the way that will get people's attention. Nowadays, when, when, when <laughs> I'm at a point now where I am so tired of Christians uh, just kind of talking and, you know, talking loud, saying nothing, to quote the prophet James Brown. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is when they, if they start with, I'm a Christian, I'm like, oh, Lord, have mercy. You know what I'm saying? They start there. I, get, I'm, I'm, I won't turn them off. I'm less interested when you start with, I'm a Christian. All this kind of, Hallelujah. Yeah, okay. Let's just walk this. Let's walk a little further and see how this works out. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, when you start with announcing yourself and positioning yourself, that concerns me. Just start with the fruit. Just do the work. Amen? Do the work. And then Jesus said this, John 13, 34, uh, bring slide back up, please. It says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all will know that you're my disciples, disciples, if you have love one for another. Interesting. That our collective witness as Christ followers that people pay attention to will, will preach to them, will reflect to them the genuineness of our faith and walk with God. That's why we, we struggle with a public sense that people have wrong impressions of churches and preachers and all that because so many people do it wrong and just say reckless things. And so we have to fight up against this tide of, of of skepticism, so be it. But you keep on shining your light and be consistent with your light and people will see your light. People will separate you from the hypocrisy of others when they see your consistency. Just stay with it. Don't try to answer critics. Don't, don't try to respond to everybody's criticism. You just walk the walk. See, I, say I will. I will. Just walk the walk. <laughs> I promise you, people are gonna see the walk. And they separate you from all the folk just talking. They, really, they can do that. You know, people, aren't, people are smarter than we give them credit for. Even people not saved are smarter than we give them credit for. Amen. Even little kids and teenagers, they're smarter than we give them credit for. 
they can perceive, they can, they can pick up on things and they can, they can smell a hypocrite, you know, or somebody talking and not acting. They can see him a mile, a mile away. All right. So then that's our final. I'll just cl conclude here. So New Covenant Church, loving God, loving people, serving the world. So it just so happens this year, the vision is the mission. Say the vision is the mission. <laughs>